Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, brought to you guys by the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. It is Monday. We are wrapping up our positional depth. Yes, okay, cool. So I'm double check. We are wrapping up our positional depth series today with the last of the wide receivers, AFC wide receivers, eight through one. Uh, and then we will be moving on to some other stuff as we're actually a lot closer to the football season than I realized. we got a couple news things we're going to hit on today before we jump into that, though. Gentlemen, how was your weekend? And Dennis, how was your Father's Day? Well, I got COVID for Father's Day. I don't know about you guys. I've been isolated since Friday night. It's been... Uh, Kind of uh, overall, my symptoms haven't been too bad. I had some fevers. I only spiked up to about 100, so it wasn't like it got out of control. And I've had some cold and congestion type stuff. Saturday and Sunday, I had some body aches. But overall, I've had it pretty mild. It's just I've got to wait to get through the contagious stage. So, um, you know, I had Father's Day at a distance. I mean, so did I. That's what I asked for for Father's Day. I was like, can all of you just go to Distance. another wing of the right. house and leave me alone? No, I'm just kidding. It was uh, it was wonderful. You guys went and saw Lightyear, it looked like. We did. We did. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I I mean, I've, yeah. I've heard a lot of I heard it. Yes, it flopped based on what I saw some stuff on uh, Twitter today. But uh, a lot of people upset that Tim Allen wasn't the voice. But I thought Socks was amazing. You made me laugh. The Socks was movie. amazing. Uh, there's some emotional moments for sure. My kids loved it. My wife uh, went and got us a... Uh, uh, some, uh, what is it? Brazilian steakhouse stuff. So like, uh, oh, it's delicious. I'm getting, I have a wedding this weekend and I'm putting on like 15 pounds beforehand, which is I'm, I'm the opposite of what you're supposed to do. So, uh, you know, all this, uh, I just, I was just telling Matt pre-show that like, we just went and spent like $400 on a bunch of wedding attire for, for me and the kids and the wife. And now none of that stuff I just bought is going to fit me by Friday because, I've been eating like $120 worth of, uh, of Brazilian meat. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's putting it to me right now. I'll put it to you that way. But yeah. What'd you think about the movie? Like I said, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I liked it too. Um, I, I did see some people weren't as high on it, but Lindsay and I went and saw it on Saturday. I thought it was a, a fun movie. I gave it a three and a half out of five stars. Um, you know, I thought it was decent. It's not to me, it would be um, like 
in between uh, a couple of the toy, you know, Toy Story three is still the tops uh, for me from the Toy Story movies, and then I, I had it just behind the original Toy Story. But I thought it was good. It was kind of a cool, um, given the backstory of that character. And I'm with you. Socks was hysterical. Yeah, yeah, that was P- the best Peter part Son. of the movie. Best part of the movie. So. Couple news items here. Um, this first one's going to be actually both are probably a fair amount of speculation, but some camps are opening up and we're kind of just going with the news that we've been given. There are a lot more reports coming out that Baker Mayfield will be traded. It does seem like the Carolina Panthers are the team that he will be going to. The latest reports were that the Browns were only willing to pay $8 million of his $18 million salary and the Panthers want them to pay $13 million. I would imagine within the next couple of weeks, they'll find a way to meet in the middle at about $10 million and Baker will be on his way to Carolina. All the reports are that they want him in there before camp starts so that he can learn the offense. Matt, what do you think this would do for Baker's stock and for those wide receivers, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and possibly even CMC getting some uh, work out of the backfield in the receiving game with Baker Mayfield at quarterback? I think the the biggest winner there would probably be Matt Rule, who might have a chance to have a, a season where he won't get fired because he seems to be tracking toward uh, dead man walking status right now. I'm still not a huge fan of Carolina. I think DJ Moore would have found a way uh, to make it work regardless. It's probably a better sign for Robbie Anderson, maybe for Terrace Marshall, maybe for <clears> – <throat> tight ends you know is ian thomas ever going to be anything they signed him to a, a free agent contract or a extension much to all of our dismay uh and surprise um isn't isn't that where one of your cleveland brown wide receivers went higgins yeah yeah higgins, higgins. yeah his, so his boy it's probably too. Those, the best for him because I was trying two, to think. Yeah. it's like there's somebody already there for Baker, it's it's a chance to play, and he's going to be on a one-year prove-it deal. It's ironic that this year they're trying to get Cleveland to pay his salary to take him because last year that was the move they did with Teddy Bridgewater. Carolina paid almost all of his salary to send him to Denver. Well, they're also paying Sam Darnold's salary too, which is interesting, right? Because you got the Another number fifth-year one, option. the number one pick and the number three pick possibly being on the same team together. Well, I I. I don't know that it's going to be good for Robbie Anderson if Baker goes there because Anderson was talking shit about Baker on uh, uh, social media. He basically said, no, I don't want him to come here. So I I don't know how that's going to work out, but it will be probably good for um, Richard Higgins and DJ Moore. I think we've seen is fairly quarterback proof, Um, but I don't know how high our expectations should be for Baker I know he struggled with the injuries, but still, he's going to go in there, if he goes, with something to prove. And when Baker's got something to prove, he tends to think that his it's his way or the highway, I think. And that's not going to set well with Matt Rule, because I think Matt Rule is sitting here going, I need to do it my way if I'm going to save my job. And so does that it feels it feels like you're you're just throwing more gas onto the fire by adding Baker Mayfield. Um wins solve everything though. So if he goes in there and they start to win a little bit, then it'll certainly make things more palatable for everybody. But 
I don't know. I still think given what it's looking like is coming down the pike for Deshaun Watson, I think it's better for Cleveland to keep him. It's just my two cents, though. Yeah. I mean, Rod Anderson deleted every, all that stuff, so we'll, we'll see how well that works out. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, teammates. I, I Not everybody loves each other in the locker room, but I agree. I don't, I don't know how good it'll be for him anyways. We've never really seen that deep threat option work out when he was in Cleveland either. I mean, it never really worked out for Odell. DPJ had moments here and there. Uh, I think Baker will be fine playing-wise for the most part. The biggest thing that scares me is that offensive line is still kind of a work in progress. It's not as bad as it was, but it's also not the Browns offensive line. And if you go back to that second year of Baker, granted, you know, some of that I'm sure was Freddie Kitchens and, and not great play calling. That offensive line had issues in Cleveland, and that was one of his bad years. I'll be very interested to see what happens, but I, I do think if Baker gets traded I think he's smart enough to take a little bit of, of, you know, humility with him over to Carolina and realize like, Hey, this did not work out. Especially with everything he said about Cleveland. Like I I do believe he truly means some of the things he said about how much he gave to this city and, and how much it kind of hurt that they went after Watson. Um, So I I do think he's going to go over there with something to prove. And I hope he plays well, man. If he does go, I believe they play week two in Cleveland. That'll be a very interesting game in itself. Uh, but should be a very interesting thing overall for him. The other bit of news, again here, a little bit of speculation, uh, but the Baltimore Ravens are in um, some kind of camp. I'm not 100% sure of what it is, but Jim Harbaugh has said that J.K. Dobbins should be in working right now, but he is not. He's still got some work to do, meaning he is still not fully recovered from the injury. There's a lot of speculation that is not just an ACL, but also his LCL, which is even harder to come back from. They also said that Gus is still not ready to come back yet. All of the medical people or whatnot on Twitter and, and even some of the professionals are saying there's a likelihood that they end up on pup to start the season that did change earlier this year to only four games. But Dennis, what does this mean for JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, who was the guy you would expect to step up if Dobbins is out, if they're put on the four week pup list, how, how do you view those guys moving forward in dynasty and redraft? Well, I, I think that it's okay to be safe with them. I mean, JK is the cornerstone of your running game. Gus is a more than adequate second running back there. He's shown that he can step in and carry the load when he needs to. So if you have to take a few extra weeks to get him up to speed, I don't, you know, I'm not going to fret too much from a football perspective. From a fantasy perspective, yeah, it kind of stinks because I have a a couple shares of J.K. Dobbins out there that I was really looking uh, forward to helping carry me. But, also, you know, you're playing to get into the playoffs, and once you're into the playoffs, anything can happen. So if Dobbins and Gus are out, you know, they did sign Mike Davis. Uh, Tyler Bad- Badi um, had a nice career at Missouri. Uh, he's a little bit small, so I don't think he can carry the load a lot, but he can be a definite uh, solid second back. Justice Hill is coming back, you know, and – you know, let's face it, the number one running back in uh, Baltimore is Lamar Jackson. So, you know, they they still have that going for him. I feel like we're in a – it's really going to be more of a we're going to take it slow and be <coughs> – excuse me. 
super cautious with it. Um, and we're going to work towards game one. As of right now, I'm not panicking. You know, once training camp starts, if I if they're not getting any work on the side, they're not doing any of that stuff, then I might start to sweat it a little more. But again, it's the first four weeks of the season. Managers will have to to make the moves they need to make to, you know, stay in contention. It might be a, from a dynasty perspective, you know, maybe that's when you go by. Yeah. So I would say their interest in Melvin Gordon earlier this offseason and then going back and signing Mike Davis makes a lot more sense now that you're getting some of these reports. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have been on the J.K. Dobbins hype train. He looked really good at the end of his rookie year when he seemed to be getting more touches. But now we are going to be, you know, almost 18 months removed from that and removed from him actually playing a meaningful game because Dobbins got hurt in camp last year. So did Edwards. Neither of those guys played a snap. It's kind of a little bit of a bummer to think that they're not going to be ready for the beginning of this season. And even then when they are ready, do they get eased back in? And then you're potentially looking at JK Dobbins going into year four, which is usually a year where you have to make decisions as a team about future long-term contracts with never really having seen him carry the load for a full season. It's an interesting spot to be in and it's kind of a bummer uh, to see that happen. I also think it really killed a lot of people were on the, he could end up as a top 12 back if he misses the first quarter of the season. And I know they play 17, so it's not an exact quarter, but we're going to say a quarter. I think it kills any chance of that. He might be finished more like running back two numbers. And if he's getting, if he gets eased back in having not played games for that that long a period of time it'll actually i guess it'll actually be closer to two full years because his last game played would have been december or january of 2020 you could not see real meaningful good starting production from him until november december which makes him a good straight stretch run um addition but when redraft leagues in particular you're gonna have to watch to see where these guys are going to make sure you're getting value yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that worries me about J.K. is that you're looking at his entire second year gone because of an injury, and now you're talking about possibly his third year in the league, him possibly maybe missing half. I mean, I, th- I think at best if he is, say, good to go after the four-week pup list, he's not going to come back right away in week five and get the workload, right? They'll slowly work him in and make sure he's good to go. So you're probably guessing maybe by week seven or eight, which is halfway through the season, And he also doesn't get a lot of receiving work either. So I I don't know how good he's going to be for you. I do think, you know, as Dennis mentioned earlier, it's Mike Davis, it's Tyler Batty, it's Justice Hill on the roster. They don't bring anybody else in. I'm not worried about J.K. and Gus being pushed back up to the starters once they come back and they're ready to go. But you may only be getting like eight weeks out of them in, in year three. I feel like his value is just going to continue to go down, especially if he doesn't go out there and produce well, which we've seen recently guys coming off of these ACLs and not necessarily performing perfectly right away. So very curious to see what happens for him. Obviously I'm I'm rooting for him to come back fully healthy. I'm also not a hundred percent panicking because it is only June 20th. Like Jim Harbaugh may be saying, Oh, he should be working, but he's got some ways to go. 
I would not be surprised if in by like two weeks, like, okay, well, Dobbins is in camp and he's doing this. And then all of a sudden this becomes a non-story. So I'm not at a point where I'm like, sell JK Dobbins right now for whatever you can get for him. But if someone offered you like a 23 first and a 23 second or a 24 second and a 23 first or something in that, I might move him just to get out from underneath it in case things go bad. But we'll see what happens with him. Uh, that is all for the news. So, Matt, I'm going to kick it to you as we wrap up our positional depth series. Yep. And so we have the top eight uh, wide receiving groups in the AFC. If you're just joining us, uh, we ranked every uh, team's wide receiver and tight end uh, group one through 16, with one being the best, 16 being the most aspirational. Then we uh, took that and averaged it, uh, divided it by three to get the average for position. So our number eight team. Uh, is the Kansas City Chiefs, and they come in with an average of 7.67. Dennis was the lowest, had them at 9, would have been just outside his top 8. Matt, you had them right at 8, so you were spot on. I was the highest at 6, and um, I guess it's because I I love Travis Kelsey, and I have a much deeper love for Juju Smith-Schuster than you guys do. Obviously, the Chiefs lost uh, Tyree Kill, but Juju's there, MVS, Mecole Hardman, um, a lot of different players. They drafted Sky Moore. They signed uh, Justin Ross as an undrafted free agent. Dennis, what gives you pause about Kansas City? They have nine wide receiver threes on their team. <laughs> I mean, I love MVS, but I am not sure. I feel like, I mean, is anybody going to be surprised if Josh Gordon leads this team in receptions? Yes, the I'll be surprised if Josh Gordon makes the final roster. Like, if you'd have gone with, like, Michael Hardman or Corey Colt, well, even Corey Colt, but, like... Justin Watson, I might have even given you. But. Yeah, Josh Gordon, that, that seems crazy. I, little, mean, little crazy. I mean, Gordon, he's 6'3 and 225 pounds and runs fast. We we know we he's the one who's put up an 1,800-yard season or 1,600-yard season. They Granted, can't even see the field last year. We were all really, really young when that happened. Um, but still, you know, they just don't... They, they have so many questions at wide receiver. And Travis Kelsey's, what, 31, 32 years old now? I get it. He's great. He was the wide, tight end one for, what, eight years in a row or seven years in a row before Andrews knocked him back off, knocked him off. And I don't know that um, anybody's going to be surprised if he's not the tight end or if he is the tight end one this year uh, just because he's he now does not have uh, Tyreek Hill to compete with. But there's a whole lot of question marks. Nicole Hardman has never lived up to to his billing. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, like I said, I've been an MVS guy. And you can argue that he may have went from a better quarterback, from a great quarterback situation to a better quarterback situation. But I don't think that changes who MVS is as a wide receiver. Um, and Juju, I, you know, I feel like Juju... I think he's got a knee issue that maybe just isn't, hasn't recovered, you know, when he got injured, I just don't think he's kind of made it back. I think he's, um, you know, he's kind of like a poor man's Jarvis Landry. And that's not a, I'm not saying that as a compliment. I just don't know that he's got it anymore. A lot will depend on what Sky Moore does. And, you know, Running back is where you look for immediate impact from a rookie. 
not necessarily wide receiver. So there's going to be an awful lot of pressure on Sky Moore to step up and take a very prominent role with this team. And so it could lead to some inconsistencies. Uh, honestly, as I look more and more at my rankings, I feel like I probably could have had him down a notch or two, even from nine. Yeah, for me, Kelsey probably boosted them up a little bit more than they should have. I also, we we factored in the quarterback play in this. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy and in the NFL, which helped boost this up. Because I do think he'll get the best out of some of these guys. You know, Juju, I think he's fine. I, I just don't see him as more than like a high-end wide receiver three at this point. Maybe he goes up to a wide receiver two this year if he gets the volume from Patrick Mahomes, which is possible. You know, do I think Miko Hardman could have an okay year? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think, you know, Mark has vowed that Scantling will have some big games? Yes, 100%. Sky Moore, I don't know if he's ready to step into this big role. I think he's more of a future play. This is kind of looking at this year. You know, do I think Josh Gordon could have a couple good games? Yeah, absolutely. But Gary Jennings, Darius Fountain, Corey Coleman, Omar Bayless, I don't even know who Aaron Parker is. If you've got Justin Ross, move him now because that dude's got more value than he's going to have entire NFL career at this point. Like, it's just a lot of guys that I don't think are going to do anything outside of really Juju and Travis Kelsey. And and the big part for me was Travis Kelsey because I still still think he's going to be. I think he's going to be tight end one this year. I know a lot of people think that's going to be Mark Andrews, but with Lamar back and healthy talked a little bit about this last week uh, on last Friday's show because we had Baltimore Ravens down there like. Mark Andrews hasn't quite put up the seasons that that he did last year when Lamar was his quarterback, and he was on pace to do the same thing last year until he got hurt and Tyler Huntley came in to play quarterback and just force-fed Mark Andrews like crazy those last four or five games of the season. So, Michael Hardman and, you know, Juju, MVS, like they've got some guys that I think can produce decently for you, but no real elite guy outside of Travis Kelsey. So that's why they came in right in the middle for me. Well, our next two teams come in tied score-wise, so we're going to take the one that we were pretty tight on uh, first, which is the Los Angeles Chargers. They uh, have finished uh, with a 6.3 average, and that's because uh, you and Dennis had them at 6, and I had them at 7. So, Matt, how are you feeling about Justin Herbert's weapons? Uh, I mean, I love them. I, I should have I thought about possibly moving them higher, to be honest with you. I mean... You start off with Keenan Allen, who I still think is likely within, at worst, top 15 range. He's an absolute stud, has continued to be so, and will be with Justin Herbert. Mike Williams had some really good games last year. They re-signed him. He's going to be back with the team. I think that's a really good duo. You then add Josh Palmer, who had his moments last year as well. And Now, outside of those three, there's not a lot. I mean, we saw some good games from Jalen Guyton. Uh, you know, maybe he steps up and has a couple good games. I'm not really counting on him. But then Gerald Everett. We saw him flash at times with the Rams and uh, for life of me, I can't think of what the quarterback's name yeah. is now. Uh, Jared, oh, Jared Goff. Goff. Uh, with Jared Goff. Now he's in there and we've seen reports already saying, hey, like we want to use him in the screen game because of how good of an athlete he is. I would not be surprised if he ends up going out there and having a really good season at tight end. It doesn't take much to get up there, but I think he could finish as a top 12 tight end. And then you factor in Justin Herbert being a top three quarterback in all of fantasy football. Like 
those three alone, I think, vault them up fairly highly. You've got a stud, a top, a alpha in Keenan Allen, a decent tight end in Gerald Everett, and then Mike Williams, who likely is probably a wide receiver three, but has a chance to be a wide receiver two with touchdown variants. So that's why I had them top six. I think altogether that offense is just going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think one through three, they have a really, really strong um, wide receiver group. We saw Josh Palmer step into both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams' roles uh, last season and perform well. And Jalen Guyton is a great number four. He's got uh, he's a really, really strong deep threat. Uh, Gerald Everett and Donald Parham are two, you know, I think what they lack in uh, blocking they make up for in their pass catching ability. So, uh, and since we're not playing in point per block leagues, we definitely want our tight ends to be catching passes. And then you, you do, you add in, you know, I, I don't know. I would argue that Justin Herbert may be the number two quarterback behind Josh Allen. Um, I, I think he's a, a, a ascending talent. He's big mobile, makes all the right decisions. It's a really, really strong pass catching group. I mean, we the AFC definitely has, uh, I think, better pass catching groups than the NFC does. Yeah, and I guess, so I, I love Keenan Allen and, and thought Mike Williams is good. That's why I had him as high as I did. I'm not as bullish on Palmer and Guyton as you, Dennis, and I'm definitely not as bullish on Gerald Everett, who I barely, I told you I worked on redraft. I I only, out of respect for Justin Herbert, included him in my top 25. I, you know, we're way apart on that. So it was, you know, I'm, I probably like Allen and Williams as a duo more than you guys do because that's the only reason I pulled them up to where they are. Um, the other team that ended up tied with them, 6.3 uh, as an average, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here I have them at five, so I was pretty high on them. Uh, you guys both had them at seven. So, Dennis, how are you feeling about the passing attack in Pittsburgh? Is it really the quarterback play that has given you pause? Yeah, the, you know, I think the quarterback play will be serviceable. I really like Deontay Johnson. I really, really like Pat Fryermuth. Um you know, Claypool had a, kind of a down year after um, a, a, a good rookie season. Um, I do like George Pickens as a prospect. I like Calvin Austin as a prospect. You know, outside of that, they don't have, uh, you know, they've got a lot of question marks. But what Pittsburgh has historically done, though, is they tend to funnel a lot of their targets to just a few people. And the few people that they're funneling them to are – pretty exceptional and Deontay Johnson, you know, and then I suppose the argument could be made that Claypool isn't, you know, wasn't that exceptional. Um, but the quarterback is going to benefit Claypool a lot more this year uh, as he tends to be a little more of a down the field guy. Uh, I don't know that he's going to play in the slot much. Um, I feel like that's going to be um, left to others. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I, I you know, I think Deontay Johnson is pushing for top 12. Yeah. Uh, Deontay and Fryer Muth is what held it up for me here. Uh, you know, I'm sure Pickett will be fine. 
I don't expect him to go out there and pass it the way that Ben Roethlisberger did, which really is what carried this offense and those guys getting that volume on top of that. Maybe this is camp talk. I don't know. But everybody around Pittsburgh is saying this is not a competition that Mitch Trubisky is a starter. That makes me even less inclined to have these guys that high. As much as I love Deontay, him getting balls from Mitch Trubisky for possibly half the season doesn't inspire much hope for me because, I mean, say what you want, Allen Robinson at one point in time, in my opinion, was much better than Deontay Johnson as a player. He couldn't do much with Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball. I, I just I don't know what to think here. Bad offensive line. Mitch may dump the ball off a lot to Najee, who was not included in this. Like, I just don't know what to think about these guys. I'm out on Claypool. I'm glad that he thinks he's a top three wide receiver in the league. I don't know what he was smoking right before he did that interview, but he's just wrong. I'm sorry. You know, if you want to come find me, Claypool, DM me. We can meet up because you're not. I'm sorry. You're not a top 30 wide receiver in this league. You're just not that good. I, I don't I don't understand his opinion. Of, well, I, granted, you should always have a high opinion of yourself, but I just don't see that. So really, it's Deontay and Fryermuth. And if you take away the volume, I don't know what either one of these guys is going to do. Like, I love Deontay. I hope he's a top 12 wide receiver. I don't see that. I just don't because I don't think he gets the volume. So if you take that away, whenever Pickett comes in, fine. I just, I, the outside of that, outside of those two, like I agree with Austin, or Austin, I'm sorry, Calvin Austin. I agree with what Dennis was saying on Austin and George Pickens, but neither one of those guys are going to do anything this year. Those are future plays. So, it's just Deontay. It's just Fryermuth. I don't think they stack up to a couple of the other guys. The more I look at my list, like I probably should have dropped them even more. I think I was just giving too much love to those two because I really do like Deontay and Fryermuth. They're very high in my rankings, but the more I look at it, like it probably could have been below Kansas City because I'm taking Travis Kelsey over over Fryermuth for sure. And I'm probably, I mean, Deontay is going to be better than anybody there, but like Indianapolis, I'm taking Pittman over those guys. Like, I just don't know what to expect from Pittsburgh this year. Like they could be really good. I wouldn't also not be surprised if they finished third in the division and out of the playoffs, I'd say fourth, but Jacoby Brissett's not going to carry the Browns. So. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Again, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can also bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at even bigger payouts. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get free up to $25 back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that is TPPN. 
ESPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or Visit httpccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP. That is 1-877-770-7867. In Louisiana, 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Text HOPE-NEW-YORK or 46739 in New York. Or visit opgr.org. For Oregon, call or text Tennessee's red line 1-800-889-9789-188-532-3500 for Virginia, 21 and up, 18 and up in Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Yeah, I really like Deontay Johnson and Fryermuth, which vaults them up. I also think they, they, you know, I liked their draft picks. It seems like Pittsburgh has a knack for getting the right wide receiver and getting the most out of them. Even picks, you know, I go back to before Claypool's rookie season, we were all, you know, are they going to move him to tight end? This is not going to be anything. People got some screaming deals on him in rookie drafts, and all of a sudden he's out there, you know, catching four touchdowns. I get the potential concerns, um, but as we looked at even the year prior, Ben's, yardage numbers and stuff weren't incredibly great. The Steelers weren't as high volume a pass offense as we felt like they were. They threw it a lot. They just didn't make a lot. And I have my own concerns about uh, small hands and I'm going to keep calling him that so that that name sticks. Um, It should be Kenny small hands. So Um, for the record, Mitch Trubisky threw Allen Robinson to a wide receiver eight season. That's what I was going to say. Mitch, I still want to see what Mitch can do apart from Matt Nagy because Nagy made Justin Fields look like he had never played professional football last year at times. I just don't know if they had a had a good system. Uh, you know, that Trubisky's last season, they actually had some pretty fun high-octane high Throwing, you know, Jimmy Graham caught, I think, eight or nine touchdowns. That was when Darnell Mooney, when we first started seeing him kind of explode onto the scene. Allen Robinson wasn't bad in there. So I'm curious to see a better team. I still have questions, too, about Pittsburgh's offensive line. I don't know if they made it demonstrably better, and that could could be bad for Mitch. You're right about Najee Harris taking some targets. I just – I guess I liked their – the complement of their group better. Uh, this next team was probably one of the ones that we split on the most, which um, it made me laugh when I saw you guys' rankings. I don't know. 
Um, maybe I'm like you, Matt, when when it comes to the Browns, and you're just like, screw them all, they suck. Um, Why do you hate but, KJ Hamler? That's what I want to know. So I so the next one is the Denver Broncos, and they uh, their average is five point six seven. Matt had them at four. Dennis, you had them at five. I had them at eight. And I'm I'm gonna say I love my Denver Broncos. And I I love those players. I'm a big Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick fan. I, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler have plenty of talent. We have not seen them do anything, and that could be potentially quarterback. They both of them have also struggled with injuries to stay on the field. I also like Albert O, and I like the Greg Dulcich pick, but again, haven't proven anything. So I like on paper. I love what they have, and I'm hopeful that a new coach and a new quarterback does something. But I guess I have a little bit of my reservations because all it has been for all of these guys for several years is potential. And that's the same reason I sort of knock the jets down. I love the compliment of the pieces the jets have, but I need to see them do it. But Matt, you are the inverse of me. What do you like about the Denver group? It's Russell Wilson. I mean, you just mentioned the jets, like, if they had Russell Wilson, they'd be much higher because I believe in the town Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson have, and they finally have a quarterback who can get him the ball. Like we've seen flashes from all of these guys, Tim Patrick multiple years ago, back with Case Keenum as his quarterback. Cortland Sutton has shown it to us before he got injured. Jerry Judy has had moments. The biggest thing has been inconsistencies at quarterback. You're not going to have that now with Russell Wilson, even if Denver's line sucks. We've seen Russell Wilson can produce multiple top 12 wide receivers with a worse offensive line in Seattle and an offensive system that was like, hey, we're going to run the ball even on second and 30. They did not want to pass the ball. I don't think that happens here. Nathaniel Hackett and the systems he have been in have all been not necessarily heavy pass, but they've leaned heavier toward passing than running the ball. They get the running backs into the mix. Well, you got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon who can both do that as well, which will then open up things even more for these guys. You know, we talked about a little bit beforehand. I know you mentioned it here just a minute ago, Matt, like you like Tim Patrick. I think he's the guy people are sleeping on in this offense. I would not be surprised if he's the second best wide receiver on this team. You got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, who again, yes, on paper, look phenomenal. Maybe they haven't quite proven it yet, but again, I would also argue they really haven't had the quarterback that can unlock things for them. They've had guys who are afraid to force the ball into certain spots or can't get them the ball when they get open. That's not going to happen now with Russell Wilson. Albert O and Greg Dolchitz, I, I factored in some, but not massively here. Dolchitz is a guy I don't know that we see this year. If we do, I think he can be an exciting player. He's a very good offensive tight end. You know, I know Denver is very high on Albert O. Um, and our good friend John Lobb was on here a year ago talking about how he was a great pick coming out of of college. I think it was last year, last year, two years ago. He he was one hyping yeah, this him up because third year. Okay, so yeah, whenever whenever he came out, we had John Lobb on the show, and he was like, because I just kept calling him King Albert because I have no idea how to say his last name. Uh, but he was hyping him up. Boonham. Sure, King King Albert. Uh, Alberto, he's and so maybe this is his shot to break out. They don't have no fan, but I think realistically, when you look at this team, it's going to be very hard to find a much better trio than what you have here of Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy on paper. And then you add in a guy like Russell Wilson, I believe unlocks everything for all three of those guys. So they, they, that's why they came in number four for me. It's a great wide receiver. 
Yeah, I they probably go as deep as um uh the Chargers do with KJ Hamler at the four versus Jalen Guyton at the four. Uh I Tim mean Patrick, I- it would I would argue me. they go five deep, though, because, I mean, Travis Fulgham has shown us something in, in Philly with not a great quarterback either. But, I mean, Russell Wilson, I think he's a guy who can raise the level of other players. I, I, you know, I, I don't know about Fulgham. I think Fulgham is just a guy that's going to run into an issue of not enough targets. Um, you know, he's he, he'll always – he's going to spend the next couple years being a guy that needs two injuries to have any relevance. Um, but I love Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick – I, I agree. I, I don't know if I'd say he's the second best receiver, could be the second best receiver, but I think he could be the second most productive receiver um, because, you know, Jerry Judy's vaunted reputation for being a great route runner. Teams will adjust defensively to that run. You know, Patrick is, is not a little dainty fella. He's a pretty big guy. He's like, what, 6'1", 215 or something. He's not a small, small receiver, and he just keeps producing and keeps producing. And he wasn't afraid of the competition, so he signed a multi-year contract to return. Now, there's definitely some outs in the contract, and the Broncos can move on after this year if they decide to or after next year if they decide to. But he went ahead and said, I'm, I'm perfectly fine to stay here, and I'll, I'll, I'll come in here and earn the targets. So they've got three really, really good guys. And Albert O is – Honestly, it's a kind of a bigger, better version of Noah Fant. So we've seen him split the seam, go deep. He blocks a little bit better. He's got a little more mass. He's a couple inches taller, 15, 20 pounds heavier. He's going to be on the field. Um, Dulcich, I'm not expecting anything. I'm, I'm starting to go back into my, I don't know if I'm even going to draft tight ends because they don't produce for three years anymore when it comes to rookie drafts. I'm going to say I've, I've seen every game they played. Tim Patrick is better than Jerry Judy in every way and actually maybe Denver's best wide receiver. 6'4", 212, by the way, for Tim Patrick. So he yeah, is a he, big dude. He and Sutton on the outside will be, I still hope. The next team up in the countdown uh, – 3.67 average was another one that split us, and that's the Miami Dolphins. They went out and got Tyreek Hill. They still have Jalen Waddell. They brought back Mike Gusecki. They got Cedric Wilson. Didn't do anything for you, Matt. You had him at five. Didn't do much for me. I had him at four. Dennis, you had him at two. What do you love about the Dolphins? I, you know, I think Jalen Waddell came in last year and showed that he – is a really, really good wide receiver. And then they added Tyreek Hill. Um, and Mike Gesicki is a great receiver. He's a, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. Um, from a talent perspective, they the Dolphins put together guys. Everybody, you know, I know, oh, Tua can't throw deep. And then you've got guys going, oh, but his deep ball his deep ball completion percentage was so much better than these other guys. And, you know, the Twitter fights going on. I don't know that Tua has a super strong arm. Drew Brees is always, um, and we agree, Tim Patrick is phenomenal. Drew Brees has always been my comp for Tua. 
very, very accurate, can throw a deep ball occasionally, but isn't going to hang his hat on the deep balls. They spent, what, $7 million on Cedric Wilson to be their third wide receiver. Um, it's, it's a pretty solidly above average at all three positions across the board. Um, and they set them up to do the types of things that their quarterback does well. Uh, we, we all want to buy into the, oh, they're going to run the ball with the San Francisco Mike McDaniel running game offense. And they may very well, but they're going to throw the ball too. And they're going to put their playmakers in positions to make plays. And we've seen Tyreek Hill is a phenomenal playmaker. And Jalen Waddell is a phenomenal playmaker. Those are guys that can take the ball the distance on any given play. Cedric Wilson gives them a little bit of size. Uh, They've got some other depth pieces that are probably pretty nondescript. So as long as they stay healthy, you know, hopefully I'm still holding out you know, my guy Preston Williams is their, their, you know, their big bruising wide receiver, but he's playing third string right now coming off another year of injury. So I don't know if he even makes the team. Um, I knew Preston Wilson was really the reason that they vaulted up for you. Man, I love Preston Williams, man. All right. Anyways, that was why. Yeah, I think for me, it's just I'm not sold on the Tyree Kill edition. I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, hey, we're just going to go out and get this really good wide receiver and just throw them into our system and hope it works out. I don't think it will. I do think they're going to run the ball a ton. That's why they went out and signed like six different running backs. And every year in the San Francisco offense, we've seen them produce one high-end wide receiver. This past year it was Debo. I think Tyree Kill and or Jalen Waddle could do and, and produce in that role. But which one? It's not going to be both of them. Jalen Waddle was wide receiver 13 last year with, with Tua. All the reports are that they're going to try and work on getting Tyreek in more screens and get him the ball quick so that he can do work after the fact. All that speaks to me is exactly what Dennis said. Tua's arm's not great. I've been trying to tell you guys that for three years. He's not that great of a quarterback. Is he accurate? Yeah, absolutely. He is. He's He's a very accurate quarterback but he's not going to be able to launch the ball down the field like Patrick Mahomes was to Tyreek Hill. Why was Tyreek Hill so successful? According to him, it was because he was the best player on that team and Patrick Mahomes just needed to get him the ball. I disagree with that statement. I think a lot of it was when Patrick Mahomes was forced to get out and make a play, we all joked that it was one of those things like, F it, Ty- F it Tyreek Hill is down there somewhere, right? And a lot of the times it was because Tyreek Hill was able to get open. Tua's not avoiding the rush the way Patrick Mahomes did. Tua doesn't have that chemistry with um, with uh, Tyreek Hill. I do think one of those guys is going to be very successful for fantasy. I'd be surprised if both of them finish in the top 24. And I know a lot of people disagree with that statement. I actually think Waddle is going to be the best wide receiver on this team. I just don't think Tyreek Hill is a good fit. I like Wilson as a three, but again, I just don't think based on what we've seen in the past, it's it's definitely hard to tell because Mike McDaniel has never been an offensive coordinator or head coach. So you really just have to go based on San Francisco's system where he's coming from in the Kyle Shanahan offense. We just haven't seen them produce multiple guys like that. So I don't know that Cedric Wilson has anything. And I just don't think Mike Kosicki is good enough to be George Kittle. 
So if it ends up being those two, like maybe saying both won't finish this top 24 wide receivers as a stretch. They probably both will the more I think about it. But I just don't think it's that great. Like the guys I put ahead of them, the teams I put ahead of them, I think are much better. And the Denver Broncos, Buffalo Bills, um, Raiders, and Bengals are all teams that I had ahead of them. I think all those guys have multiple assets. I believe in more than the top two here in Miami. And some of that, again, goes to the offense around them. It's not a great offensive line. And I just don't believe in Tua. Like, I believe in every single quarterback more on all those teams I just listed more than Tua. I just don't think he's going to be good enough to carry this offense. Yeah, and I guess I'm I'm partially there with you. I, I think Waddle ends up finishing as the better of the two wide receivers. I know some people have been on the train that Miami's going to have two top 12 receivers. I'm I'm with you that I think that's a stretch. I do ha- think Hill will end up finishing as a wide receiver too. But we saw even last year when he was with Kansas City, he ended up being c- pretty boom bust. He'd have these high highs, but then some games where he kind of got schemed out of it. And I'm I'm worried that that trend is going to continue in an even more profound way um, with Miami. Be curious to see how it all comes together. Um, I liked their group. I just didn't like them quite as much as a few of the other teams that I had above them. Which I'm, I'm less concerned about him being schemed out because they have other weapons, and so I think it'll allow him to make up in efficiency some of the other stuff. So because they have to guard Gasicki and they have to guard Waddle and they have to guard Wilson, I do think that puts Hill in a little better opportunity. It puts all of them in an opportunity to be more efficient with their production. So I think with that argument, though, is you could say the same thing. Travis Kelsey is better than – I wouldn't say he's better than Waddle. He's produced better than Waddle at this point. But Waddle's probably the more explosive player. He's better than anybody. He's better than Wilson. He's much better than Gasecki. Defenses still couldn't stop both of them. And I think a lot of that, though, is is because of Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes is, I would say, in a completely different league than Tua. Tua's not going to be able to do what Patrick Mahomes did. I mean, as a Browns right, well, let fan. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So what's Patrick Mahomes do if he's got Kelsey, Hill, and Waddle. What does he do if he's got those three? He's going to yeah. – two of those guys are still going to absolutely smash. The third's not – is probably still going to be a top 24 at their position. But, again, you can't put Tua in the same league as Patrick Mahomes. You can't. I mean, why, why, do we, why do we think that Mahomes could only produce a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, but we, we're all – Excited to put Chase and Higgins in our top 12 with Joe Burrow. I don't think any of us have put Higgins and Chase. I, I don't have Higgins yeah. in my top 12. None oh, of us a lot, do. A lot, a lot of people oh, have him. That's those people. Not I a do. lot of people on here. Yeah. The difference with that is, though, when you talk about Kansas City, is you're not factoring in Kelsey, who is a massive target. Gasecki's not going to be that. So that's where I think Hill and – I, I, I'm definitely wrong on them not both being top 24. They both will, but they're not both going to be top 12. And again, the difference is what Matt just mentioned with Tyree Kill being so boom bust. A lot of that was, as someone who despises the Chiefs for their success, but watched them almost every single week because they were primetime games, 
a lot of that stuff came on broken plays. There is not a lot that you go back and look at Tyree Kill and be like, oh, wow, he just completely beat his man. That happened, but there was a lot of broken plays. That's not happening with Tua. And even Tyreek said it in that podcast. Go listen to the thing. He's like, oh, that's why he got me the ball because I was always getting open. He should have got me the ball more. Okay, he may, you may be right, Tyreek. You're a dynamic athlete. And even if they scheme him in these screens and everything, defenses are not coming in and saying, oh, we need to find a way to stop Cedric Wilson. No. Defenses know they need to take away Tyreek Hill. And they're going to say, let Waddle and Tua beat us, which is fine. Waddle may be able to do that. But if you're focusing in on Tyreek, I guarantee you he's going to struggle a lot more than defenses coming into Kansas City and saying, we need to stop Patrick Mahomes. That's who we need to stop. They weren't trying to stop Ty. They were trying to stop Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes made it happen. Tua's got to show me he can make it happen because I don't think he can. Well, I feel like you just made my efficiency argument for me. And uh, Gesicki, the last three years, has been second in targets on the Dolphins for the last three seasons. So he's, he's from a target share perspective, he's kind of up there with Kelsey. But he hasn't had Tyree killing Jalen Waddle on his team. Well, he did he now has. He had Waddle. But not Tyree kill. Well, Miami, the Miami preview show is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> the uh, And it will probably come in the same episode as our next team, which is the Buffalo Bills. They finished with an average of 3.33. Uh, Dennis, you had them at four, but Matt agreed with me and had them at number three. Matt, what do you like about the Bills? Sorry, my mute button there. Uh, I mean, Stefan Diggs, he is still an alpha, in my opinion, one of the top wide receivers in the game. You've got Gabriel Davis, who, I mean, obviously a lot of that came in the playoff game, but now Cole Beasley is gone. I think is it Emmanuel Sanders still on the roster technically, but no, he's gone. Okay, so Sanders no, gone. Jamison Crowder. Uh, Jamison Crowder coming in and playing the slot, who I think is – if he can stay healthy better than Cole Beasley, and you're finally getting Gabriel Davis on the other side, uh, I still think this is going to be a very pass-heavy offense uh, with with the, with the running backs that they have. I don't know that they're going to continue to be able to run the ball. Josh Allen will still be running the ball, but you're going to see a lot of work going to Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs, who I think are both likely going to finish in the top 24 at their position. And we saw Dawson Knox have an amazing season last year before dealing with some injuries down the stretch. And I think that continues as well. So you've got a guy who I believe in at tight end, who's going to be really good. And then you've got, who's probably going to be top 10 at his position again this year. And the two wide receivers, who I think easily could be top 24. The big thing will come down to Crowder. If he can stay healthy, if he's able to get peppered with targets the way Cole Beasley did, I think he could be in for a good season. And then again, we factor in the quarterbacks. Josh Allen, even if he takes a step back this year, losing Ryan uh, Brian Dayball, I still think he's quarterback one at worst quarterback two. He's going to pass the ball a ton. These guys are going to get a ton of, of touchdowns. So for me, it was kind of the culmination of Josh Allen and then Dawson Knox compared with or paired with Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, and Jamison Crowder. That bumped him up for me. You know, I, I want to buy into Knox, but I think I need to see it more than just one year. Same with, you know, Crowder is a perennial disrespected wide receiver. Um, but he also, you know, misses games and is out fairly frequently, it feels like. 
I love Gabe Davis, but is he going to keep ascending now that he's, you know, been cleared for takeoff in that uh, wide receiver two role? And if Davis starts taking off, what does that mean for Stefan Diggs? Like Diggs is a really good wide receiver, but we kind of saw in Minnesota when things started, you know, he didn't feel like he was getting his fair share. He got kind of bitchy. And that's sort of one of the things that helped grease the wheels out of Minnesota for him was he wasn't always uh, necessarily the best guy in the locker room. Wins cover a lot of that up. Uh, I get that. But they also, they lost their offensive coordinator. And yes, they promoted from within. So theoretically, you'd think a lot of things are going to stay the same. But the last thing Ken Dorsey wants to hear is you're only good because you're running Brian Dayball's system. So Dorsey is going to try to put his own stamp on things. And Dorsey also played quarterback in the NFL. Now, he wasn't a great NFL quarterback, but he made it to the league. And so he also wants to show, hey, I'm better than Brian Dable. I made it to the league as a quarterback. Now I'm an offensive coordinator. I'm going to put my stamp on this offense. Uh, And they drafted a, a running back that, despite not being the biggest guy, is a pretty good inside runner. So the the reality exists that they may run the ball a little bit more. Um, I I wanted to buy into the team more from a receiver standpoint, but just don't think that they have as much depth as the the teams I have in front of them. Didn't Ken Dorsey win a Heisman Trophy too? I don't think he won the Heisman. I think he was in the running, but I don't think he won it. Um. I love Diggs, and I think he has a great connection with Josh Allen. I really like Dawson Knox, too. I'm curious. Um, it feels like they hedged a little bit when they signed O.J. Howard. Um, but he's probably on year seven of hoping that he breaks out somewhere, maybe year eight. I mean, maybe he's 40. It could be year 20, as far as I know. Uh, I guess a lot of mine, too, is I like Davis and I like the fit. I think that he will slide into what Emmanuel Sanders was doing last year. Not, I don't really see that as competition for what Diggs is doing. I think they filled their positions and I like their basically top four. I'm not as worried about uh, the robust running game. I know Matt's not worried about James Cook. <laughs> no, I mean he's he's fine, but he's a receiving back. He's not. I, I mean, Matt, granted, I, I don't know. When he graded out of mine, his lowest category was rushing in between the tackles. So I don't, I don't think he's that good of a of a runner. He's a great receiving back, but uh, and I'm, well, I'm not worried about the targets either. I mean, you just mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. He had like 72 targets last year, which was a nine mm. more than Gabriel Davis. So if those get equaled out. Like I think Stephon Diggs is going to be fine in targets. He's still going to get his hundred plus. The number two team on our countdown, and their fans should start celebrating now because this is going to be the highest finish that you have for the 2022 season, uh, is the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who came out with an average of two. Um, Dennis had him at three. Matt, you had him at two. Um, Despite my intense hatred of Josh McDaniels, which I want to assure all the listeners is still there. I just saw that the Raiders now have Jared Stidham on their roster. He's begun his, uh, his Denver ways. Uh, I could, I have them at one because I have an unbridled love for Devonte Adams, who I think is 
still possibly the best receiver in the NFL. He's definitely the best receiver in the AFC now. Um, I think Hunter Renfro was great last year. I think he's going to be great going forward. I still love Darren Waller. Um, I They have some interesting depth signings in Demarcus Robinson and Keenan Cole, but those three for me was enough that it, Kate, Devontae Adams was enough of a difference maker for me to vault them over the team that I had at two, which is the next one we'll talk about. But Dennis, you are much lower um, than me, way, way down at three. So right. why do you hate the Raiders? Well, a lot of it comes down to is you are correct. Darren Waller and Devontae Adams, two of the premier players at their position. Hunter Renfro, an ascending slot guy, seemingly matched up with, with the perfect head coach and a qu- quarterback who uh, likes him, unlike Brian Edwards, for instance. Um but then they don't – I mean, Demarcus Robinson is their third starting wide receiver. Like, how good do you feel about that? I mean, let's be real. If Demarcus Robinson is going to be lucky to push Brian Edwards' numbers from the last couple of years. It it's could end be, up being Keelan Cole. We've seen him do right. pretty well. Wide receiver X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter. Does it really matter? I mean, it could be Mac Hollins for all we know. I mean, they do have Gunnar Olszewski that they moved over from the Patriots to. You never know. So they've got they've got two exceptional guys, one good slot guy. Um, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me to see Waller playing split out more with more Foster Moreau in the lineup. Um, who I'm a I'm a big Foster Moreau guy. I kind of like him, um, but I just felt like. It's going to be funneled to just a couple guys that are good, which I guess for fantasy, that's that's good. Um, I mean, definitely for fantasy, that's good because you know where the targets are going. And and I agree, Adams is probably the best guy, but I just felt like there wasn't – there isn't any depth. If, if Adams gets injured, this team is so screwed. It, it's like I, I don't know what they're – you know, if Adams gets injured, they might switch to the wishbone with Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. I mean. Well, they still got Hunter Renfro like that. That I mean, dude produced last year without Devontae Adams. Walter. Yeah, and I Keelan mean. Cole. No Keelan Cole the, slander, guys. <laughs> the, the, the top two teams for me literally was a hair split for me, and it's because, in my opinion, the top team has four deep fantasy viable options this one has three, and it's Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. Adams and and um, Renfro, I think this is the team that could make an argument for having two players in the top 12, and Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, because I don't think Renfro gets hurt that much. I know a lot of people seem to think Renfro is going to be hurt by Adams coming over. I don't think so. My biggest fear with Adams is he has been bolstered by touchdowns the past couple of years. And I think a lot of this because he is the first player and sometimes the last player that Aaron Rodgers looked for when they got down in the red zone. I don't know that that happens here in Las Vegas. I do have some questions about Josh McDaniels play calling. Um, I don't despise him as much as Matt does, but I have concerns. I have some concerns about him as a play caller and what this offense will look like. Devontae Adams is just so damn good, though. I expect him to still have a decent season. Hunter Renfro, I mean, he was wide receiver 10 last year. I don't think he takes that much of a step off. I think Waller's the one who gets the hurt, hurt, hurt most by Adams coming over. But at tight end, I still think he has a serviceable enough season that he's probably top eight. 
So those three altogether is what boosts them up to two over some of the other teams that were close for me, like Buffalo, uh, because I don't, I, you know, I have questions about Knox and I don't have about Waller, so on and so forth. My top team, though, again, I just I think they're four deep and they have a better quarterback. So that's what kind of boasted them. That's what that gave them the slight edge for me over the Raiders. I appreciate you not taking um, the Josh McDaniels hate from me because I've been cultivating that for about a decade and a half. I, I figured and, I'd, it keeps you young, so I'll just let you have it. So the number one team on our list is the Cincinnati Bengals. I had them at two, which I just mentioned. Matt and Dennis, you both had them at one. Matt, I know that that fourth member of Four Deep is Puka Williams Jr. Tell me why. It is not. It is actually Hayden have you Hurst. Seen him catch the ball. I have not. I honestly don't even know who Puka Williams is off the top of my head. So, anyways, he's like a five foot eight, hundred and eighty pound running back out of uh, I think Kansas. Oh, I thought I thought he was a wide. Oh, they I have him. Li- they have him listed as a wide, wide receiver. receiver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, That's what I'm saying. Like I know he's he was five uh, nine, but they converted him to wide receiver. He, he was a he was he caught a lot of passes in college. If I remember. yeah, he was a running back. That's why I was kind of confused. I was like, oh, I didn't realize there was a Puka well, Williams their, wide receiver on their so. roster. They converted him to wide receiver. So anyways, no, it, it's Hayden Hurst for me. Um, you know, he actually has surprisingly a decent season in 2020 with Atlanta. Uh, as much as I hated starting him most of the time, I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl and a couple other redraft leagues. And it just felt like every week I sat him was the week he went off. He's got a better quarterback now in Joe Burrow. I think he easily jumps up to the top tight end on that depth chart. And surprisingly enough, Joe Burrow went to CJ Uzoma a little bit more than I expected last year. Jamar Chase, while he did not have the season that Devontae Adams have, if you want to talk compare alphas, I don't think he's going to be far off from him this year with the step back. I think he takes a small step back going to the Raiders. You got T. Higgins, who I think is a locked-in, at worst, top 15 to 18 wide receiver with the volume he likely gets on this team. And if anything happens to either one of those guys, like Tyler Boyd is a perfect guy to fill in because we've seen it happen. And even if both those guys stay healthy all season long, He's a perfect slot wide receiver and when called upon will be good. So I think those four going that deep, having Joe Burrow, who I don't have him as I know some people say top three, four, he's like top five or six for me at quarterback, but still that defense, even as improved as it was last year, they were still in their fair amount of shootouts. They throw the ball a ton. Hopefully that offensive line seems to be improved a little bit, keeping Joe Burrow up a little bit longer is a lot of times it felt like he was throwing off of his back to these guys and then making plays like I just expect this offense to continue to be absolutely amazing um, in a very tough AFC as well, which I think keeps them having to pass the ball and all four of those guys should be viable fantasy options. So that's why they finished at one for me. Yeah. If they can stay healthy, I mean, they, they, their depth is a lot of unproven guys. Uh, Trent Taylor in the slot. If something happens to Boyd, I don't think you're going to see Taylor, um, Taylor doesn't have the same kind of um, ability. You know, we've seen Boyd. He can catch eight passes for 120 yards and two touchdowns. He just unfortunately now he's the slot guy with with two legitimate alpha wide receivers. Uh, Good Mike Thomas, you know, he's been bouncing around the league for a long, long time. And just he's a, a special teams depth guy. And Stanley Morgan Jr. Uh, is not Stanley Morgan Sr. Um, so they don't, if anything happens to the starters, um, it's, 
it, it could get dicey. If they're missing a couple of their starters, it's going to be real dicey. I, I like the call on Hayden Hurst. He's uh, he's more athletic than Uzama. Um, you know, I don't know that he's younger after playing baseball, but um, it's got better hair than C.J. Uzama. Um, and, and so the issue with the tight end is it's real. It's kind of it's, it's like it's going to be Chase and Higgins and then one of two, Uzama or Boyd. And, and if you start to play that Uzama Boyd roulette, it's going to be, it could bite you in the ass. Uh, but from a skill perspective, those four receivers are the top. It's the top four group, I think, in not just the AFC, but the NFL. Just so you're aware, they're actually the same age. <laughs> CJ Uzoma is right now 29, and Hayden Hurst turns 29 in two months. So I can't wait for uh, the season to start and Thad Moss to be their starting tight end. But ain't. <laughs> now. He got drafted off his name. He's not. He did, he did not get drafted. He was signed as a free agent. Because <laughs> That's right. He, yeah. off he had the, a off his dad's name because he sucks. He does suck. He he had a great final season in college because he was with the no, best didn't. offense. He had a decent season. It was the best offense in ever with LSU that year with actually Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, which might yeah. and Joe Burrow, which might be the reason why he's on the Bengals. But yeah, he's not good. I have Josh McDaniels. You guys have Thad Moss. It all it all works out. Now I. The Bengals have a great group. I'm actually questioning all my life decisions that I made Josh McDaniels team number one on my rankings and had every AFC West team ahead of the Broncos. I, I, I'm going to go do some deep soul searching. Um, so I think we should take Friday off for my all soul. Right. No, I'm just kidding. We will not be coming back on Friday because uh, Matt's got some personal celebrations and I am apparently working 12 hours that day. So – that that great season was 47 catches <laughs> for Thad Moss for 570 nice. yards. Have I can't wait seen... for the Bengals preview episode. I'm going to drop it. Have you seen what that. tight ends do in college? That's actually a good season. I'm not trying to say, like, don't overestimate what tight ends do in college because it's not great. I agree. He was not great in college. No, he was, he was uh, we will be back next Monday. And we did a quick look at the calendar and realized it is actually time for us to start doing our uh, season previews. If we actually want to preview all the teams and some of our redraft rankings before the season begins. So on June 27th, we're going to kick things off with the AFC West and the Kansas city chiefs and Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll be back a week from today. Uh, once again, me giving some some speeches apparently about Josh McDaniels because I've decided to end June on a bang. Just throwing this out there, top tight end season. Noah Fant, 39 catches for 519 yards, seven touchdowns. Tight ends don't produce in college. Oh, I thought that was a Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Do you got your pop on there? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! Who can make a play?